Welcome everyone to Writer Someday to Author Today, where we give you the story beginning to end. And today's story is about Trisha McKee. Now, Trisha, you write uh, a couple of different genres, don't you? It's kind of just a mix of everything. I do sci-fi, I do horror, I do romance. Usually my short stories are a bit odd. The longer stories are more um, geared toward romance, families, relationship. So what got you started in writing? I mean, did you just wake up one day and had an itch to write something or just kick the ideas around for a while? How'd that happen for you? Um, it's, um, I've always created stories. Um, when I was little, I remember just being in my bedroom and I was too young that I didn't write yet. I couldn't read, but I kind of just wanted an escape. So I just made myself create stories of other places I'd rather be than there. And, and as soon as I could write, I was writing everything down. So I have always had writing in my life. It's only recently I decided to send my work out. So what was the first work that you produced? And, you know, how did you come about that story? Was it a personal experience or, or was it just uh, something that inspired you to write it? Um, I would say the first... Um, large project that I worked on. I was age 14 and I wrote a manuscript and it was just kind of an escape. It was another world that I wanted to be a part of, another life, another family. It was what I had wanted to escape to. And I saw that manuscript and in fact, I've spent the past year rewriting it and um, I'm working on it now to get ready to send out. But um, yeah, I was, I was age 14 when I wrote that. <laughs> So how old were you when you submitted your first work to be publicly consumed? <laughs> it was a year ago. It was after my 43rd birthday, and I wanted to step out of my comfort zone. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I really thought nothing would come of it. I thought, I'll send it out. I'll send it out a few times. I'll get tired of the rejections, and I'll just go back to writing and not showing anyone. And um, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> uh, it never really does, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> But, you know, that's that's a long time to, to kick it around. I mean, have you uh, written that whole time? And, you know, have you noticed the difference between when you first started writing and your writing today? Absolutely, there's a difference. And, yes, I've always written. Um, I, I, I've, I've always had stories um, in my mind, writing them out, working on different um, things. But I think the difference now from then is that I'm more willing to kind of not be so indulgent and work it as a story more so than some type of comfort to myself. I'm more willing to um, mold the story so that it's good for the public, that other people would want to read it. Um, I mean, it's still, it's all my work's very personal, of course. I, I think every artist, writer, um, musician feels that way. It's, it's something very personal. But I think I'm more willing to kind of let go of that control and let the story go where it's supposed to go. And I'm also more willing to try other genres. And what would you say has had the greatest effect on your writing? Like, was it a personal experience or is it just from learning from others? I think the greatest effect was my childhood. It was most people that know me know this story. It was just a very turbulent time. It was a very dark time. And writing was my escape. And I think that it kind of affects my writing in a lot of ways. It's, it's, there's always kind of a, 
something personal embedded in the story, whether it is sci-fi or horror or even romance. It's just, I always kind of have that past tinged in there. So, so how many pieces have you written, written over the years, written, written? Hi. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, it's hard to say. I think I have about 10 manuscripts written book length and short stories I've lost count. So um, when, when are you taking me out on the yacht? <laughs> right? You would think, huh? All that work and <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter of trying to get them brushed up and out there, huh? <laughs> you know, a lot of people think that just because you're an author, you're instantly rich. And that's a common misconception, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. And I, I get that a lot. I, you know, I get a lot of the teasing and everything else. And, you know, it's kind of a hard climb. <laughs> and even then it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not what you would think it is. <laughs> so what would you say the most difficult process has been throughout this journey? What's been the most difficult part for you? Would it be writing it, editing, you know, the publishing process? What was the most challenging thing for you? Um, I, I would say, and I, I know this sounds like a cop-out, but I mean, the rejections are really hard. And I know I'm considered among the lucky because I've been published a lot of times this past year, but it still stings when you send out a story that you are so sure they're going to love. And it seems to fit what they, they publish and to have it sent back rejected. There's always just a little, you know, I, they say don't take it personally, but I don't see how you can't. And I read something, what was it? I can't remember, but it, it was a comparison. You can't expect to be a writer and not get rejected. Um, and so I, I know that's just part of it. You know, that's just part of the process, of course. Um, you don't want this to be easy. If it were easy, I don't think I'd appreciate it as much. So out of everything that you have written, um, what would you say has been the most personal for you? Oh, the one manuscript I wrote at age 14, the one I'm working on now, the one I rewrote this past year and I'm getting ready to try to send it out. It was written, I think, one of my darkest years. And to read it and you kind of just get that sense of who you were at that time and just the anguish and the utter like... Um, emotion in it, it, it really, it, it actually was hard to revisit because I had not revisited that particular project since I was age 14. That kind of really, it was rough. So how's that changed for you? I mean, of course you have a point of view back when you're 14 and you mature and you look at things a little bit differently. I mean, how much of that have you had to change so far? I, I think because I'm not in that situation anymore, I do kind of have an opposite outlook on life. I used to be a very negative person. I used to, I mean, of course, 14, there was the drama and everything. I, I think at this point, at this age, I hope, I, I, I like to think I'm a little more stable and mature and positive. And so in rewriting it, you kind of rework that project in such a way where it's not so um, gloom and doom and it's not so dramatic it's just enough to you know be realistic and kind of reach a broader audience I, I guess you could say it's not so as I said before it's not so indulgent so what would you say your target audience would be 
that depends on the project. I, I would say my short stories just range. I, I have the sci-fi out there for the audience. I have, you know, horror. I have romance. My longer manuscripts, I, I would think they would be geared towards someone that wants to read something that's um, heartfelt, full of emotion, that's looking for something to kind of hold on to and hope for. Maybe give them a little glimmer of, you know, happiness, maybe even romance, things like that. And I'm glad you went into that because I'm always curious about the motivation behind writing. You know, is it to entertain? Is it to to motivate? Or is, do you really want to touch someone with your writing? And, and do you think about that as you're writing it? I, I, I actually, I don't really think about it when I'm writing. Maybe when I'm editing a bit. I, I want my work to resonate with someone. I want someone to read that and say, yes, I get that feeling. I understand that. I've been there and I hope to be there. You know, another part of the book, I hope to be there. I, but when I'm editing, I, I might keep that in mind, but um, I don't overthink it. I, I write what I feel. And I think if you keep true to that, I think it works out that way where it does resonate with, you know, some of the people, at least I hope it does. And how do you choose to connect with your reader when you're writing something that's uh, completely fictional, like your, you know, sci-fi or something like that, where it's hard to compare an experience to something that somebody in the real world couldn't experience? Um, I, I like to think for um, the genre of like sci-fi. I, I think a lot of people like reading that because they like what if, what can happen. And I think a way to kind of ground them into like resonating with it is the characters. No matter how um, trippy the story could be or how out there the setting is or the situation, I think if you have a character that someone can somehow somewhere connect with them and it doesn't have to be the overall character, but something about them like, oh yeah, I feel that way too. I feel fearful or I'd be brave or I would do this or that. If you have a real character in there, I think that really helps to bring the reader in. See, I myself am a, a fan of uh, fantasy slash sci-fi genre, but, you know, always seem to connect with the characters in there. It always seems to get me a little bit more involved in the story. So right. I'm always looking for those authors that, that bring out that personal story, that personal journey in their writing. Yes, Absolutely. So out of all the characters that you have created, would you say that there's uh, one or two that are, uh, you've based off of people that you know or known throughout your life? It's funny. I was just talking about this today with my daughter. I wrote a manuscript. It's actually a two-part manuscript, two manuscripts. And I wrote it when Lexi was seven and the character was based on her. The character started at four years old and then in the second book, she was an adult. And when um, she was an adult, I, she became a graphic designer. And my daughter is now in college for graphic design. She's never read the book or anything. And I said to her, it's just very, it's very odd. And I don't think I'll base anything off of her again, because that really kind of, <laughs> it scared me. But they are, the personality is so much like my daughter. And it's kind of fun to see her grow up and it still kind of matches. So yeah, that was kind of a rare case though. Usually it's a mix. I, I don't like to have my character based off any one person. Have you ever had any uh, family members or friends come back and say, hey, did you base that off of me or? 
not yet, but you know, I'm sure that's going to be, (laughs) I'm sure some might not appreciate some stories, but if they see themselves in a character, that's on them. (laughs) And if you had to pick an inspiration as far as another author, who would you say that would be? Um, have to say there's a few of them of course Stephen King when you're writing horror that's just um and I I love Ann Tyler because she does normal situations and normal people and yet they stand out and it is just fantastically these stories woven into these tales that you could live every day and yet she brings out the extraordinary of that but I would say my number one is Essie Hitton the author of The Outsiders, because she wrote that when she was, I believe, 14 or 16. And I read that book and I, that's when I knew. It's like, oh my goodness, I want to create something like this because it drew out so much so much emotion for me. And I really resonated with the character and just feeling lost and feeling out of place. And she did that perfectly at such a young age. So I would have to say Essie Hinton, definitely. And have you ever experienced where you have written something and looked back and realized that your own feelings came out in your work and said, hmm, you know, I didn't realize that I felt that way. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's some things I've read and, um, you know, I, I kind of read, I'm like, oh, wow, that really seems to resemble what I was going through at the time. And I saw that in such a different way than I would view that now. I mean, when you have... <laughs> 30 plus years of writing that you never really did anything with and you're, you're going through it and reading it. It's an eye opener. So, um, definitely. Yes. I felt my own personal journey through writing and it's always curious. I always wonder if the author, how much of the author is actually into the story, you know, and it's just always fascinating to me that journey that authors take throughout this writing process and, how therapeutic, you know, it can be sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I truly do not believe I would have survived my childhood if I had not had my writing. I, I believe that sincerely. It was a gift given to me to escape into and survive what I had to survive. And yeah, I, I, I did have a friend recently say to me, she read a few of my short stories all at once. And she's like, wow, you really do put yourself in there. And it was kind of shocking to hear that because I like to think that there is some distance, but you're right. I, I think if you're, if, if you're um, meant for writing and you write, it is such a therapeutic journey. That's the best way to put it. And you are putting yourself in through the story, no matter what it is. You know, now that you're all rich and famous and everything that you put your work out there, which yeah, we know that's not true, but you know, now that you have actually put your work out there, have you noticed a change in yourself? Has your confidence gone up or has your guard gone up? Oh, that's a really good question. I think a little of both. I think, I think deep down, I've always known that I was meant for writing and it's still kind of a shock though. When it, when it, when you get something published, even now, if I get, you know, I notice that something's being published. It's like that story, really? And it, it's, but I, I, I'm not sure if it's so much a confidence versus guard up as much of a, I feel I found where I was supposed to be. Don't get me wrong. Not quitting my day job. Love my day job, by the way. But it's definitely a, 
okay, this is, this is it. This is what I was meant to do. I'm doing this and just how comfortable I feel and the ease I feel in doing it. But also my guard is up because there are people that say, well, you shouldn't, you, you know, you shouldn't brag about your work. You shouldn't talk about your work all the time and you shouldn't. So my guard is up because <laughs> I have to promote my work. No one's going to read it if they don't know about it. So, so it's a very kind of back and forth thing. It's, it's very hard. And I understand why writers are introverts. I really get that. You kind of just want to disappear and do your own thing and, you know, have that be that. But yeah, definitely the self-promotion thing was a very um, learned behavior. <laughs> so there's that. So would you say that since you have published, have you learned a lot about yourself through that process? Um, absolutely. I, I definitely think that. I, I think, you know, I, I think I've learned to not, not doubt myself. And I, I've learned it's okay to put yourself out there, even if it doesn't work out. You know, so many times you submit to something and it, they're like, no, you know, and it's like, what? I thought it would be perfect. But it's still okay. It, it's still so I've learned that just because something fails doesn't mean it's a failure. It just means it wasn't right for that time, for that market, for that. I've had a story. I've had stories be rejected and then I'll send them and they end up getting um, bought from a, a higher price or, you know, a more, more exposure or something like that. So I think stepping out of my comfort zone, that's what I've learned the most. It, it, it pays to step out of your comfort zone. You know, and you mentioned Stephen King as one of your inspirations, and even him himself, you know, his first novel, I think he got over 70 rejection letters, and look at him now. Right. He, he actually threw the manuscript out, and his wife dug it up. So I do love that story. <laughs> it, it's a very telling. I, I've read his book on writing, and it's inspirational. I, I was kind of surprised, because I, I, I wasn't sure if I'd like his book on writing, but it's actually very inspirational. So yeah, you know, he's been rejected. That's kind of a ego boost. It's like, okay, I got rejected and so did he. <laughs> we have I'm, something in common. <laughs> I'm sure it's been a while for him, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure too. <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it's a telling tale. It's a very hard road up and it doesn't, you know, just because they reject it doesn't mean that your work is not good. It just may not fit what they're looking for at the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a rule. If it's rejected so many times, then you kind of pull it back and read over it, you know, let it sit for a while and see, well, can I rework this a different angle, different point of view? But I, I usually try not to give up on a story, even if it's just the idea of it, the bare bones of it. So, I mean, it, it does take a lot of courage to put your work out there. Why don't you walk us through your thought process before and, you know, how you felt after you uh, submitted yourself to be published? Okay. Well, like I said, I just turned 43. It was, it was literally a year ago. And I was thinking, you know, I kind of want to do something. I want to, I, I want to step out of my comfort zone. And I had a few ideas in mind, but I had been for a couple of years playing around with the idea of sending work out. I, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I didn't know how, I didn't know where to start. So I just started, you know, kind of searching sites and looking for things. And I got my first rejection. And instead of being, <laughs> instead of being upset, I was like thrilled. I'm like, oh, I got a response on this. This is amazing. 
And the second place I sent it to, I got a week later um, an acceptance. And it, I remember that evening, it was just, it was just, I was on cloud nine all evening. But um, yeah, it was, it, it was a scary thing to, to submit. And it wasn't so scary to submit the second time after it had been rejected because I thought, okay, the worst that could happen happened and I'm still okay. Because no matter what, no matter if I never sell another piece of writing, I like to write and I'm not going to give up writing. So it'll all be okay. And have you got never gotten any feedback that, you know, really pulled at your heart that you touched somebody that much? Um, yeah, I actually, the first story that got published, I had someone email me and just say, wow, this was really good. I, I think this is amazing. And I, I kind of can understand what the character was feeling. And um, that meant a lot to me. And of course, like the, the ones that are in the horror genre, when they say, wow, that was really freaky, that creeped me out. And it's like, oh, good. <laughs> then it did its purpose. So yeah, there's been a few. There's been, in fact, some of the publishers, <laughs> when they rejected it, I had a couple that say, this is really good. It doesn't, it's not at all what we want for our magazine. It doesn't fit at all. But like, you know, th this really is good. I can, you know, connect with character. And of course, the best is when they tell you where to send it. <laughs> of course. I mean, that's, that'll jump your, your confidence level a whole lot. But... Oh, yes. And then when you send it to the place they said, and then you can use their name saying so-and-so said to send it here. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> like, look, I, I'm already approved for this, okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, on that op uh, uh, on the opposite end of that spectrum, what's the 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 meanest feedback you've ever gotten, and what did you do with it? I think the meanest was I had it was it was a romance Christmas story, and I had it in there, and um. I guess this isn't really mean, but it kind of just read me the wrong way. The one guy said, well, he said, this piece that jumps around from point of view too much was a little long for my taste. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you had to stop and comment that. You had to take the time to comment that. <laughs> so I kind of had to stop myself and say, well, yes, you know, I need to take that feedback and just, but it's hard sometimes. It, it's, it's, but I, I think that's pretty much the meanest that they've said to my face, at least. <laughs> Who knows what they're saying behind my back? Well, you never want to speculate on that. That'll just drive you crazy. I never but. do. I just pretend. <laughs> they all loved it. <laughs> well, you know, the world is going through a difficult time right now. You know, everyone has had extra worries these days you know has that affected your writing has it inspired or has it kind of shut off the creativity for you with what's going on in the world right now um at first it did it did kind of um hinder the writing for a little bit my my panic got the best of me it, it is such a scary time but i just remembered you know when i was little and i was terrified i would turn to my writing so i've been doing that and now, um, back to where I want to be in terms of pace and productivity. Um, but I haven't, I have ideas, but I have not yet taken on the task of writing about what we're going through. I think I might wait on that until I'm out of the shell shock, terrified phase. 
but it, it does have some good ideas coming to me. So for now, yeah, the pr productivity is pretty good. Um, but, you know, it, it's been, you know, I've adjusted to working from home with my full-time job. So that's been my main focus, of course. And um, I've taken on some other projects and, you know, trying to get everything done and then keeping track of submissions I have out. I have to be very careful to make sure I have the time for writing because that's what started this all in the first place. So you wrote to be busy, but now you're too busy to write. <laughs> I know, right? So, yeah, I, I, how funny is that? But, yeah, I, you know, I... When people say, I always had a relative that say, oh, that always said, I love to read, but I just never have the time. Well, how do you find the time? You, you know, and it's just like, when you love something so much, you do find the time. I, it's, it's just what it is. So I, I have made myself that rule. There is always time to write. You, you have to either wake up earlier or, you know, put something aside or just tighten up your schedule. So those free minutes can be used for writing. You need to turn off the TV. We talked about Stephen King. He doesn't watch any television. And, you know, what a time saver that is. Right. I think everybody these days are sitting at home watching a lot of things and hopefully reading. <laughs> hopefully reading. Yes, hopefully. That's one thing about the, the world situation right now with uh, COVID-19 going around. It's, you know, it's hard for little ones to understand why we can't go out to the park, why we can't do this and why we can't do that. And, you know, it, being able to read to them and have them read and everything like that has been a wonderful outlet for them. You know, plus they're quiet most of the time. But, you know, it, it really gives you time to reflect on what's important. And, how has being locked down, you know, stay at home order affected you as, as far as your creativity? I mean, it, has it, have you had more ideas spurn out of it or have you, has it kind of dried up for you? I've actually had more ideas lately that I've been writing down. So that's a good thing. But I, I think with the situation we're in, you kind of have to get creative because this is something we haven't known in most of our lifetimes. So you have to get creative and things to do and conversations to have and, you know, ways to make it not boring. But of course, I'm the type, <laughs> I just don't believe in boring. I, I, I think, I don't understand how people can get bored. There's so much to do even under, you know, kids I understand, of course. But as adults, it's just, you find something to do. You, you, you create something to do. I, I think this whole situation has given me ideas. Um, so yeah, once I let that panic kind of fade away, it's helped. Ah, okay. So do you believe in aliens? Of course. Really? Now I got to hear your theory behind that one. Um, theory, I'm not sure I have any substantial theories, but I definitely think there's, there, there are beings out there. I don't necessarily think we want to find them, but that's, yeah, it's actually one of the stories I'm writing now. It has to do with aliens and kind of the darker side. I don't, I don't really, you know, I wish they were like ET, but I, I don't think they are. I, I, I think they, they know us and um, 
I, I don't know. I, I just don't. Do you not believe? Oh, I, well, I have no choice to. I saw some things when I was younger that, you know, physics cannot explain. So, yes, I'm a believer in something that wasn't man-made was there. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's scary. I, I'm, I'm such a chicken. I write these scary stories, but I'm like, okay, I don't want to see it. I just want to imagine it. <laughs> so I don't want to see anything. I, I don't. I don't, that goes for ghosts. Unless I'm in a group and it's fun, <laughs> I don't want to see ghosts, even if it's a loved one. If you want to visit, do it in the daytime when I'm around other people. Well, I think what we, I think from what we've seen from uh, these reality ghost shows, most people uh, think they want to see ghosts until stuff starts happening and then they freak out. <laughs> I know, isn't that the funniest? And they have all this expensive equipment and all this. And then it's like they're running and, you know, <laughs> it's hilarious. I actually, I did have a ghost team come into my house for a night. Oh, wow. Now that sounds interesting. How did that come about? <laughs> um, our house, it, it isn't that old. It's like 1950s and it was only owned by one previous owner. But um, some, we do live beside a, a cemetery. Um, but the cemetery isn't scary at all. Like I could walk that at night and not be scared. It's very small. It's not scary, but our house just has some weird acoustics or something. And then, um, there were a couple pictures I had that the team, one of my friends sent it to the team and they asked if they could come for the night because the pictures, they were like, we don't really go by orbs, but this one's a bit weird. Um, so they came and I guess they found some stuff. But they just, it was mainly for my daughter, who was young at the time, was kind of scared, of course, some of the stuff that was happening, and noises and knocks in the shadows. And so they just um, pretty much told her, you know, you're in charge, you tell them, you, you know, you need them to leave and you need them. But it's funny, because after they stayed for the night, um, very little happens, knock on wood, very little happens in this house. I've never been scared to stay here. Nothing's ever really scared me. And I'm a scaredy cat, so that says a lot. But weird stuff happened. I'm glad it doesn't now. I like it here. I don't want to be scared out. I understand that. They, you know, and the reason I brought all this up is, you know, if there was one thing on people's beliefs that hasn't been proved by science that you would like to see, you know, come to fruition, what would that be? You know, would it be aliens? Would it be ghosts? You know, conspiracy theories? Oh, my goodness. That is a difficult one. I would like to know the science behind that. I don't, can you use the word science for that? The science behind spirits and ghosts. I, I would like to know what makes certain people come back and certain people not come back. Um, what are they here for? How are you supposed to act if they do come here? Like, I, I would like to know that. I, I think that would take the fear out of it. So it might not be as fun, <laughs> but I, I think I would like to know that. I Definitely. And what's the one thing you would never want to see that there's proof of? Oh, demons, I guess. I'd like to continue writing about demons, but I don't want to know of any that are around or, you know, out to get yours. I don't want to, I don't want that to happen. Aliens. Aliens a close second, because they kind of scare me. Well, I would stay out of D.C. then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine that would be. Oof. 
you know, you tell me you've written uh, uh, different genres and everything like that, but mainly your work is based in romance. What what made you decide to switch to different genres? Um, my short stories always kind of had a um, touch of weirdness to them. And um, I started trying to, I mean, you can send your stories out to markets and you can usually find a publisher that fits that you know, genre. But then I started noticing anthologies and anthologies are very specific in what they want. I mean, very specific. A lot of them are. And there was one and it was for sci-fi and I thought, well, I've never really written sci-fi, but I watch a lot of it. So, um, I started writing it and I thought, well, this feels kind of funny because it was sci-fi fantasy. And I'm like, it's almost like I'm just writing these bizarre things that I want to write and it has no boundaries. And, um, I actually fell in love with that because you can do the weird and it's okay. Cause it's supposed to be weird. And what I noticed is sci-fi, there is a huge market for that genre. And, um, the same for horror. I just took my weirdness and took it to another level and, um, fell in love with that too. Well, you know, since you write romance and you write uh, horror uh, and sci-fi, I think all of that can go into this question. Did Carol Baskin do it? Did she kill her husband? <laughs> you know what? My daughter and I were talking about this. We've been talking about it for the last week because she finally broke down and watched the documentary. I want to say no. What I think, I think he went and disappeared. And I think he wanted her blamed for his murder uh, because he told his friend, if I can pull this off, it will be the best trick ever. And friend said he never specified what he meant. I think he's out there somewhere. Yeah, I don't blame him for hiding from her. <laughs> Man, They're talk about a torrid tale. I mean, I don't know what it is about this year, but it seems like everything comes straight out of a movie or a novel. It just does not seem believable. <laughs> no, I know. And if you would write it in a story, it would be too unbelievable. They would be like, nah. <laughs> the audience wouldn't be able to connect with it. They're like, man, this would never happen. <laughs> right? But I don't, I, I don't think she's the best person, but I don't understand all the hate for Carol Baskin. I don't get it. I, I, I think out of all the bad people, she's lower on the list. She's, she's still not good, <laughs> but I don't think she's top of the list. I don't know. I could be wrong. No, what throws me off about her is everybody else. You can kind of see, you know, where the, the line is drawn, you know, where they go from good to bad. Right. Like Carol, she's a mystery and she holds her cards very close. You know, it's always dismissing things. And just the way she carries herself, it kind of makes my spider sense tingle a little bit, you know? I, I, I think that's why I kind of like her, though. Not like her, but I mean, I think that's why she is, I don't, as much as the other ones, because the other ones, it's, they're not, they're not sneaky enough to do that. They're not smart enough to be sneaky about it. And it's like, if you're going to be a bad person, if you're going to be a villain, you have to go about it in a, in a better way. 
and not just be outright on camera threatening people. You know, he was very open with what he was saying on his little internet show and everything like that. So it really begs the question, do you think he actually had the brains to pull something like that off? Because, I mean. But, but he didn't pull it off. Well, I know, even the attempt to, though. Because, I mean, I know they went into how he was saying this and how he was saying that. We've always been around people that, you know, vent, you know, through saying things like that. Obviously, not to the extent that that guy did. <laughs> but, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder, would he really be that stupid and smart at the same time? I think he could be that crazy. I think, I think they took advantage of him, definitely. I think they thought, here's an easy target. Let's get him out of the way. And they gave him, they gave him kind of the rope to hang himself, so to speak, because they're like, hey, if you really want her gone, we can help with that. We've done this before. And he probably fell for it. I think that's along the lines of what happened. Yeah, it's, it's a wild tale. I, you know, if I didn't see video of it, I probably wouldn't believe it myself. But I mean... Right kind of like aliens you you don't believe it until you see it yeah and then you wish you hadn't seen it okay so where can people uh find out more about you and find out more about your work um www.trishamckee.com and, and also breaking rules publishing um i we have the best line of magazines for every type of reader we have anthologies, horror anthologies. My story is in the Hollow Anthology, Love is Love. I have a story in that, and also the Spring Anthology. And I know some of the upcoming anthologies are Wedding Day, and I think we have another Hollow coming out. And, and those you can get at uh, breakingrulespublishing.com, correct? Yes, if you go to their bookstore. Yes, definitely.